So if I say the word selling, does that make you want to run for the hills or stick around and go for the win? I think this is one of the most under-talked about topics once again, or maybe the topic that we should all be talking about all the time and how to deal with selling authentically and with intention so that it doesn't make you feel icky or want to shy away from it. And maybe the fact that we're not having those conversations is because we feel all those things. We got the feels on this. Don't worry, I have your back. In this episode of Untapped, I have brought in the perfect person to talk you through the five steps of the selling staircase that is going to help you grow your profits and relationships in a really authentic way. Are you tapping into your potential? Are you then taking that potential and turning it into a purposeful and profitable online offering so you can impact more people, share your skills and expertise and make a dent in the world? And are you doing this while living a life that fills you with purpose, happiness and opportunities for growth? This may all sound too good to be true and I am telling you it isn't. These are the big questions that I seek to answer on The Untapped Show, a podcast for go-getting humans who know that more is possible for them in life and who want to make real changes and live up to and beyond their human potential. In this weekly podcast, I share nuggets of wisdom on how to do this, combined with inspiring interviews with everyday humans who are doing this right now so that we can all learn from each other. I'm your host, Natalie Sisson, a best-selling author, podcaster, blogger, lifelong learner, triathlete and lover of handstands and who took her humble blog back in 2010 and somehow managed to turn it into a multiple six-figure business by creating different revenue streams based around my skills, talents and knowledge. And I know that this is possible for you too. So every single week, that's what you're going to hear here on this podcast to give you inspiration, motivation, strategy and tactics to do this for yourself and to lead a purpose-driven life. So let's dive in to this week's show. So Nikki Rausch is the founder and CEO of Sales Maven, and she has 25 years of sales experience helping entrepreneurs learning how to sell in an authentic way. And if you feel the word authentic has been used too much, I think when it comes to selling, it really needs to be used more often. She's a sales coach, a trainer, an author, and a speaker, and freaking heck, she just had so much to offer on this podcast that I think we should just dive in, but take notes take action and head across to nataliesisson.com forward slash 045 because in the show notes, I am linking to not only Nikki, but this fantastic free download that she has offered up as a gift. And we'll talk about that at the end of the podcast. And also just link through to some other great resources around selling and marketing that I think is going to help you out. And the reason why this is so important, and I'm so glad I got Nikki on the show, is because I am having more and more and more conversations with my community and my clients where they are backing right down from this stuff. And yet it is critical for you to be able to get paid to be you, to turn up, to do the important work, and to make an impact in this world. And if you can't sell yourself, if you can't get that message across, if you can't focus on the person and why this is going to help them, you are never going to be able to move beyond where you're at right now. And I know it's hard, and I know it feels icky, but Nikki takes away the icky. Oh, I should have said that on the podcast. It's so bad. It's almost good. Let's just dive in. I'm not doing myself any favors here, shall we? Okay, let's go. All right, Nikki Rausch, welcome to Untapped. Are you ready to sort of just untap everybody's potential? Absolutely. Thank <laughs> you for having me. I suddenly felt like my friend John Lee Dumas, who's like, are you ready to, you know, <laughs> oh my God, what does he actually say? I'm just having a moment. 
on the on his podcast. Anyway, he just gets people fired up. And I don't know yeah. why I said that, but I just I'm excited. And especially because you and I are going to talk about something that I think is so timely because I am inundated with people right now who seem to be having imposter syndrome, doubting themselves, their ability to sell, their ability to get themselves out there to market themselves. And I know that these are things that are always present, especially for entrepreneurs, freelancers. It's one of the toughest things to tackle. And so I'm just really glad that you as the CEO of Sales Maven are here to rescue some of those people because there's only so much <laughs> advocating I can do for this. I need support, Nikki. So hopefully you're here for me there. Do you want to share I'm, a little bit about, here for you. about your story and your love of sales so people get a bit of context on who you are? Sure. Thank you. My background is I've been in sales for 25 years and really my first job, my first professional job out of college was a dialing for dollars sales rep. That means that I had one of those jobs where you had a call minimum that you had to make every day. And, you know, I was sitting in a cubicle picking up the phone. This was this was actually before fax machines. <laughs> and we used to have to like put stuff in the mail to the clients, you know, to mail out spec sheets and close deals like that. So I, that's how I got my start. And it was in the technology space, specifically the audiovisual field. And I had a lot of success there. I moved up in the company, became the national sales manager, and then moved to the manufacturing side. So working for a large manufacturer in the industry and closing you know, big deals, like multi-million dollar deals and not all, they weren't all multi-million dollar deals, but you know, big deals and um, yeah, selling, day. <laughs> yeah, you know, selling like a big order for me would be like 300 of a SKU that I would sell, right? 300 yeah, of something wow. to sell like one or two. It'd be like, oh, that doesn't even move the needle. Right. Yeah. So did that for many years. And while I was having a lot of success in that industry, I got really curious about how could I continue to improve. And during the time when I was working, I got introduced to the concept of neuro-linguistic programming. I don't know if you've heard that term before. Yeah, but I love NLP. Yeah, so, so NLP, NLP. And yeah. And so I started studying it. I used to get on a plane one weekend a month for two years and go spend a weekend and study NLP, became master certified in it. And I found that it was very helpful for me in the sales conversation piece with people. And it also improved all the other relationships in my life because I became a better communicator. And I was able to start to pay closer attention to the way people speak and the way that people show up in a conversation. And um, so in it, you know, did that for many years. And then eventually moved on to a couple companies and found myself in that position where it was like, oh, I feel like it's time for me to do something that feels more meaningful. Like I felt like it was time to grow up in a way. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so I ended up leaving the industry and, and kind of started my business, not intentionally. Like it was this idea of I was helping to grow somebody else's business, but I was meeting all these super cool, really passionate entrepreneurs that were struggling, like kind of what you said at the beginning, like really struggling to put themselves out there, struggling to understand the sales conversation and how do you move somebody through the steps. And, and at that point, sales was something that felt fairly easy to me. I'd been doing it for so many years. So I started helping some people just really wanting to be of service to them, never with the intention of making money doing it. And somebody finally said like, 
why don't you do this as a business? And so my business is born out of that. Sort of put the mirror in front of you and go, Hey, yeah. here it is right here. Your business do what you do naturally so well. <laughs> well, because you always hear about people say like, follow your passion and mm. you know, the things that come easy to you are the things you should make the most money at. And sometimes the things that come easy to us, we have no idea that other people will pay us for it because it feels easy. Preach it, sister. This is what I talk about all the time. Yeah. Um, and yeah. yeah, exactly. Because it comes naturally to us or it's easy, we don't value it as much. Yet you see somebody struggling with it and you're like, oh, but it's just so easy. You do this. And they're like, how? Tell me how. <laughs> yeah. So how did you start out then? Like what was the first thing that you sort of thought to offer to get started in this business? Well, the first thing I offered was, and it was really only because somebody asked me, they said, would you come and do like a training about sales for my sales team? And I was like, sure. And so I just, I put some things together and, and it was one of those moments where you would have thought that I was teaching magic. Like they thought I was teaching magic because they'd never heard. And and it was a really, it was a lot of combination of my sales background, but a lot of my NLP training around the conversation side of sales. Like how do you really engage somebody? How do you start a conversation? How do you move somebody to the next step? Like, you know, how do you get in sync with somebody? Like all these things that people thought I was like teaching magic. And I was like, this is not magic. This is, this is what you're doing every day. And I'm just commenting on it and showing you how to do it in other ways to be more strategic. And so that was the first thing I did. And then, you know, and then I started doing some kind of private coaching and when I think back to, and I've had my business now for six years. And when I think back to what I was one charging and doing, (laughs) (laughs) you know, there was no way my business was ever going to be sustainable at what I started out because I was so shocked that people would pay me money to, to talk about this (laughs) stuff. Isn't that interesting? I mean, I, I totally hear you. I did the same thing. I think we all do. We're like, start so not low but like oh just get really stuck on what is the value for the person on the other side and how do they value this versus what we're sort of comfortable and what feels good Um, and you soon realize that I was just talking to somebody about this the other day they're starting their coaching business and I was like you you have to factor in the admin time the email time the um the follow-up time and most people are just like oh here it is here's my little price for just an hour with me and I'm like no 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 there's so much more you've also got to factor in your experience that's your right knowledge the money you've invested in yourselves the relationships you bring all this you know you know this but it's once you you just don't do that when you start out because you're like oh I'm just so excited somebody's going to pay me anything um <laughs> for being me or for doing what I do well so right yeah. It's neat. Yeah. So what, what did you quickly realize or how did you change your business model, I guess, to, to be more sustainable and to <laughs> pay yourself what you're worth? Well, one of the things that I did pretty early on is, and, and I'm going to say that I realized this about myself before I started my business, is I am committed to being a lifelong learner. And so yes. I seek people out that know how to do things that I don't know how to do. And I invest in myself. Nice. And so personal and professional development has always been important. So I hired a coach right away who, you know, got me so far. And then, you know, I realized like, okay, I've gotten everything out of this coach that I feel like I can get. And now I moved on to a different coach. And, and really it was kind of the second coach that I hired that looked at my offer and looked at the way I was kind of putting content out into the market. And she really helped focus me and challenge me, frankly. And, 
you know, this was years ago that I hired her and she, I still don't charge the price that she wanted me to charge because it was so, (laughs) it was so outside of my mindset. But at the same time, she really pushed me to show me that I could make this a sustainable business and that I could charge, you know, a price that was going to allow for me to build a business and be able to pay myself and for it to make sense. And yeah, so I, that's, Do you that's mind how I've sharing what I am. that price was just out of interest? Yeah. So initially the there. very first, she wanted me to charge $5,000 for a VIP day. Oh, and right. I didn't even have a VIP day. Like I, that wasn't <laughs> even an offer. So I think what I initially charged, it was some, I mean, I, I just say really candidly, now it's three, it's $3,000 to do a VIP yeah. day with me. And, um, total bargain. Yeah, it is a bargain because people make money off the stuff that I teach them, right? So I feel really good about it. But, you know, my, I think the very first VIP day that I ever sold was like a thousand dollars or something that, and when I think about the value that I give and, you know, it's, people have these amazing experiences when they have a VIP day with me. So I know it's worth it. And as a matter of fact, I just ran into her. She came to hear me speak a couple months ago and she was like, what are you charging now? (laughs) (laughs) Good for her though. That's really cool. I think, um, you know, we all have to start somewhere and you soon know when you're underpricing for your services, right? Because of the value and that they take away, the lovely compliments they give you. And I think if we can get people to reframe more, and I'm talking to myself here, I'm preaching to myself, is that (laughs) if you can say, hey, I'm going to invest X, but my ROI is going to be that, then, you know, most people would happily pay 5,000 if they're going to make $15,000 or $20,000 worth of sales off the advice and the tactics and the strategies that you share, right? But at the time you're doing it, it's just like (gasps) $3,000 or whatever it may be. And I I, I do this as well. And you've really got to trust in the process. If you're fully committed to it and you're all in and you trust that person, you will get the results and it's so worth it. Yeah. I mean, I just had one of my VIPs. She didn't do a day with me. She actually did a package. And I mean, we just had this conversation two weeks ago and she said, (laughs) Nikki, I can track $100,000 in new business. Wow. That's specific to the work that we did. So that was a good investment on oh, her part, right? You better like, have who, that in a testimonial. Invest that. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, that is incredible. Absolutely incredible. And go you for getting them that results. But I think also in the industry you're in, it's, I'm not going to say it's easy, but it is easier to be able to tangibly track by implementing Nikki's methodologies or, you know, system. I ended mm-hmm. up doing this and that led to this much worth of business. Really cool. Some industries, I think it's a little bit harder to do that in, but because sometimes it's about your own growth and the mindset shift that you might give to somebody may not translate directly initially, but it will over the coming months and years. So that's, yeah, the intangible, intangible tracking of learning is um, such a fascinating thing and something I'm involved in in my own industry. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Cool. So just curious, actually, sort of from, I'm just, when you first started out in sales, like back to that, what was it called? The dollar dime? No, sorry. Dialing, dialing for dollars. Dialing for dollars. So Sounds so bad, but so good in so many ways. What did you sort of just have a genuine interest in sales from the get go? Because you know, for some people, it's just not them. But did you, as you did more of it and you saw some results and you saw things working and you looked at the psychology of it, did it become a bigger interest of yours? Yeah, just like curious. No, I, you know, gosh, I don't think anybody's ever asked that question that way. And so just to hear you pose it to me, I'm like, my answer is like, a heck no, like not even <laughs> close. 
you know, my, well, I will say I grew up in Boise, Idaho, and I moved to Washington state. And when I first moved here, I didn't know anybody and I needed to get a job. And I just gotten married. I was like 20 years old, you know, as a baby. And I got my first, and this was not a professional job, but it was a job that had a commission piece to it. Mm -hmm. So it was a, like, it was a minimum wage job. And this was back when minimum wage was like, I think it was still right around $5 an hour. Like it was a really low paying, you know, minimum wage job. This was back in the early nineties. And I, because there was this commission piece to it, I got really like, it was, it became kind of fun to see how much I could make an hour mm-hmm. when I was being paid this minimum wage. But when I would sell a little bit or sell a lot, I could sometimes double and triple that. And so when I had this opportunity to get my first professional sales job where that was really like, you know, it was in an industry and I actually got it from a college project. Like that's how I got my first job in the tech space. And, and so there was this idea of like, Oh, I could work hard and I've always been a hard worker. And I think of myself as somebody who I love work and I love to, you know, put my all into something and strive to push myself. So when I saw that I could make like starting to make like real money, like there was the possibility. I had set this goal when I was 15 that I just wanted to make $75,000 a year. And when I got my first professional sales job, it was like, oh, that is definitely doable. Right. (laughs) And, And I did that pretty, pretty quickly in the first, I think in my first, I think it was my second year at the company. I made that kind of money. And at 20, I was probably... I don't know, 20, maybe three or four at the time. And again, this was back in the nineties. So I was making really good money. And of course, you know, my, my sales, like what I made every year continued to rise, but there was this piece around that, like, Ooh, I could control my destiny in a way. And Mm. I had control over what I would make. So that was the piece that was more interesting to me than, than anything else was like, oh, I don't ever want to be in a job where like I have to go in and ask for a raise. I just want to sell more and make more. Hmm. Thank you for sharing that insight. It's really useful. And I think for people listening, it's like a really great way of looking at it, right? You can control your destiny by the effort that you put in and the strategies that you use and you're in charge of, there's no limit really. And, and in sales, especially with commissions, there really isn't. Um, it's all up to you and, and how much you want to go after it. So go you. So do you, are you ready to share some of those fantastic steps for being a more successful salesperson? Because as I said, I think so many people listening are like, ah, sales. Um, <laughs> yeah. Are you ready to share some so that we feel really good about ourselves and then we all go out there and we do a much better job of it? Because it is an yes. art. It is an art. Yes. So, okay, cool. It is an um, art. Yes. So talk to me about the five steps of the selling staircase. And I understand that you have a new book coming out with that. that fantastic. Yeah. Vibe. So, yeah. So I have a book that came out this summer called The Selling Staircase. And so just to give some context to this, oftentimes we hear people, they teach and they talk about sales, like filling a sales funnel. Mm-hmm. And I get the concept of the sales funnel and especially for my corporate background, because believe me, we got screamed at by our managers all the time, like fill your funnel, right? That was such a huge talking point. But where, as I started working with entrepreneurs, the piece that I found that was a struggle was they were like, well, so I got a lead or I have a prospect, 
but I don't really know what to say and I don't know what to do next. And so as I started coaching, I love systems and I love processes and I love step-by-step. Like if somebody can say, Nikki, here are five steps. And if you follow these five steps, you are going to have the kind of success that I have had, right? And it doesn't matter what the context is, but if you give me a step-by-step approach, I can follow that and make it my own and see success with it. And so when I was teaching sales and strategy and how to move people through the sales conversation, I started teaching that instead of thinking about the actual sales conversation as a funnel, think about it like it's a staircase and it's your job to move your client from step to step to step. And there are things that you can do and say that make it really easy and seamless for the client or the prospect and also for you. So that's why my latest book is The Selling Staircase because it's these five steps. And the five steps are, the first step is the introduction piece. That's where you're being introduced to somebody for the first time and or you're introducing somebody to the concept of how you might be able to like work with them in some way. So that's Mm -hmm. the introduction. Step two is curiosity. And that's really a missed step oftentimes in the sales process is are you able to create curiosity about your product or service that makes people go, hmm, tell me more. Like, oh, I'm so interested. And then from there, you can move to the third step, which is the discovery. Also, you could call it a consultation. But this is where you start to understand what is their biggest problem, their struggle, their need. And how can I deliver something that's going to meet that, solve that, you know, help them in some way? And then once you've done a great discovery and now you have an idea of how you can serve somebody, now you move to the proposal piece. And there are some really key things that you do when you lay out ways to work together or you lay out an actual proposal to somebody that then goes to step five, which is the close. And that's the piece where you actually have to get some words out of your mouth and issue that that last (laughs) closing piece of language And if you can seamlessly move somebody through these five steps, the selling process gets so much more simple and it takes all of that. Well, maybe not all of it. I'm going to say it takes the majority of the angst out of it Mm -hmm. so that you're not worried about like, oh, what are they thinking about me? And, you know, oh my gosh, am I coming across salesy or pitchy or do they hate me or do they love me? Or, you know, you're not, you're no longer worried about that because you're like, oh, I know where I am right now and I know what to do next. And based on how the prospect responds, I know what to do then too. And so it allows for your own personality to come through and it allows for you to seamlessly move people through the process so that it feels good. Because I really teach relationship selling. Everything is built on rapport first. Yeah, I love that. I love that. So how, could you give an example maybe of that sort of the five steps if it's easy to do or an example of something? Yeah, that'd be great because I think it's much easier for people to take in. So the first thing, like, let's imagine that you're out at like a networking event, for instance. Which everybody loves. (laughs) Right. (laughs) As as an introvert, networking for me is like, oh, right. So I get it. I get it that it's not always the fun thing to do, but, but it is a way to grow business, right? That's one way. There are other ways too, but just for the sake of kind of moving you through the five steps. So you meet somebody for the first time. And in the introduction piece, one of the things you want to do is you want to establish yourself as credible. 
and you want to make a positive first impression. And here's just like one tiny little tip that most people forget when they're being introduced to somebody for the first time or they're introducing themselves is we often meet people and they never tell you their name and it makes you seem less credible. So when you're introducing yourself to somebody, make sure you say, hi, I'm Nikki Roush. Like get your name out of your mouth because sometimes you introduce, you know, like you shake hands with people and you're like, hi, nice to meet you, but you never say your name. That does not make a positive first impression. And it also doesn't let the other person to be like, oh, hi, Nikki, right? Like now they feel like, oh, should I ask her for her name? And we don't want them spending time and energy thinking about like, oh, I don't really know what to say to her now, you know? Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. It's a great start. And okay, also so- remember their name. Oh, such a biggie. Say their yes. name. Remember the name. I have to say my American friends, and it is often the Americans because they hold lots of networking events as well. They're really good at going, oh, Natalie. Oh, so hey, Natalie, what are you doing? And Natalie, and they just say like my name, especially the good people, two or three times. And I'm like, God, that's annoying. But I know why you're doing it because you're trying to remember my name. <laughs> I do actually teach a technique where you don't need to say it so many times because there is an NLP, it's called the name game. It's a process where you actually see it across somebody's forehead and then you do say it out loud so you can hear it with your own voice in your own ears because it helps make it more memorable. But the other thing that people don't often do is you use like micro movements and you actually write it somewhere on your body. So like for me, when I, if I was going to meet you for the first time and I knew I wanted to remember your name and I was focused on it, I actually take my thumb and my middle finger and I actually would write N-A-T-A-L-I-E. Like, and then it, so it's your finger a, or like mentally, you'd be like writing it on your No, own. I actually like physically move my yeah. thumb across the tip of my middle finger. And you wouldn't oh. notice this because it would just look like I'm like fidgeting a little bit, but I'm actually writing your name. Oh, how cool. That's really that's, interesting. Yeah. And that's, so that's very NLP because there's the visual part, like you see it across your forehead. That's yep. the, you know, to en- enact that visual component of your brain. The auditory part is to say it, but the kinesthetic part is the feeler part. And so that's why you write it. Some people will write it with like their finger around, like next to their thigh or something. Or yeah, so that's just one way to do it. Hmm, Love it. Very cool. Okay. So step two now in the curiosity piece is now somebody's probably going to say like, oh, how are you? Or, or what do you do? Or, you know, like what brought you here today? And you want to think of your answer to these questions before you go in the room or before you go into that meeting or before you like wherever you're going to show up. Because instead of just having like a generic answer, like, oh, I'm fine. (laughs) I always say, this is your opportunity to drop a curiosity creating statement. And Mm -hmm. I go through a whole thing where I teach like curiosity to me is the difference between how you call a dog and how you call a cat. So I know that sounds really crazy, (laughs) but if you think about people who call dogs and want to get a dog's attention, they usually have this kind of really high energy and it's this like, come here, boy, come here. Right. And when you meet somebody at a networking event and they have like dog calling energy, like, oh my gosh, Natalie, I'm so excited to meet you and tell you everything that I do. You go like, (laughs) oh my gosh, who else can I talk to? Right. Like, (laughs) 
how do I extract myself from this conversation? <laughs> and so you don't want to show up with dog calling energy. You want to have what I call here, like kitty calling energy, which is here, kitty, kitty. So if you want to get a cat's attention, it's like here, kitty, kitty. Mm-hmm. So if I meet you at an event and you say, Hey, Nikki, how are you? I might say something like if I knew any little bit about you, like I can see you. So I, I have some visual about you, but maybe I know ahead of time a little bit about you. I might say like, Oh, I am great. I just found out I am the number one downloaded podcast for an episode that I was just on. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Right? So you're not, like, you're not you, like touting too much, but you're excited because you just learned this great news and it tells you a lot about you to that person. Yeah. And then maybe you might go, oh, what do you speak about? Or, oh, I have a podcast. Like mm. whose podcast were you on? Right. It will cause us to now have a legit conversation about business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So only say something that's true, but then see if it piques the interest of the other person. Be careful. I say like, don't word vomit on people. So it just is <laughs> enough of an answer for them to ask a question. And so mm-hmm. if you asked a question around it of like, oh, that's so interesting. Like what podcast was it? Or what did you talk about? Or, and then what happens once we start getting into that conversation, oftentimes the other person and I'm just using you as an example, you and me in this case, maybe you give me a buying signal next. You might say, that's so interesting what you talk about, Nikki. My audience would probably benefit from hearing that. So I count that as a buying signal because now it's my job to check it out, see if it really is. Mm. So I'm going to say, is that something you'd be interested in talking more about? Like, should we schedule a time to do that? Or could we do that now? I'm going to ask your permission. I'm not going to just dive in and be like, oh, you should definitely have me on your podcast. And here's what I could talk about because <laughs> now I'm back to dog calling energy, right? And that will turn you <laughs> off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and if you say yes, like let's schedule a time. Now the next piece is now we've moved to the discovery. Now it's my job to ask you questions, find out more about you, more about your podcast, and see if I have a topic that would potentially be interesting to your audience in this particular case. Yeah. And that's going to come by me asking questions about things that I do. And so what I mean, I always say like all your questions should lead to the person hiring you. So I'm going to ask you questions about like, do your, like, is your audience interested in things around like how to even talk about their business? Because guess what? I teach how to create curiosity. That's mm-hmm. something I do. <laughs> I'm not going to ask you like, is your audience interested in tracking their sales performance? Because that's not what I do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that also may- sounds quite boring initially. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so now if you're, you know, if you're giving me answers to these questions, now I can start formulating a potential way for us to work together, which then goes... And I might even say to you, you know, after hearing a little bit more about what's important to you, I do actually have an idea of something that we could do together. Would you be interested in hearing about that? Because if your answer is like, no, I want out of this conversation, there's no point in me trying to convince you of something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you say, yes, now I have your permission to actually lay out a proposal. Proposal. Mm -hmm. Nice. I like it. And so now then I'm going to go and I'm going to say, you know, now here is my recommendation of something that we could talk about. Here's what it would cover. 
and then I'm going to issue a close statement. I'm going to say, is that something you'd be interested in scheduling? Mm. And if you say, yes, I just closed this deal. Well, I'm going to take money if I'm getting paid, you know, yeah. obviously, obviously I want all your audience to get paid, right? When they're selling <laughs> something. So now, you know, if you say yes, great. Now I'm going to say, how would you like to pay for that? Or, I mean, I gave the example, like I'm getting on your podcast. So obviously yeah. you're not paying me to be on your podcast, but you know, that's the process. That's how you move somebody from step to step to step. And if you kind of go back and track what I did throughout these examples is I issued an invitation at every step of the way. I asked you if you're interested in moving to each step. Yeah. So you always gave the person an out. The way in which you did it was so inviting that they like couldn't refuse and you showed curiosity (laughs) and engagement and genuine interest in them and you wanted to hear from them about, you know, their challenge, their problem, how you could help. That's right. Yeah. So it's really about issuing invitations and the client kind of walking along this path or walking up these steps with you. And it's not about dragging somebody up the steps. It's actually about walking alongside them and creating a lot of rapport along the way. And, you know, the other piece that, and this is one of the big mistakes that people make in the selling process is they meet you and they try to jump right to close. They try to skip steps Mm -hmm. and you really can't skip steps in the selling process unless the customer comes up and wants to skip steps. So I will say Mm -hmm. if somebody walks right up to me and says, Nikki, I want to pay you money and hire you. I'm not going to say, wait, slow down. I didn't create any curiosity first. (laughs) You know, I'm going to take the money and we're going to close the deal and move on. So I would say your client can skip steps and you can go with them, but you don't get to skip steps in the selling process. And when you do, you either confuse people, you irritate people, you alienate people, or you just like, you cause them to be like, this doesn't feel good to me. I don't Mm. like it. Yeah, that's really um, fantastic advice. And I'm going to pick up a copy of your book now because I just love hearing this. I think the thing for me in that is just the, the invitation. I mean, invitations are just so lovely. There's open-ended questions, there's closed questions, and there's the definite progression along. And I really love the idea of walking up the steps with them because the visual of dragging somebody just made me laugh. But so <laughs> many people do do that. Like they just go straight in. And I, I wonder if it's sometimes the nervousness that they go straight in with the sale and tell you all about the thing and try and get you as excited or whether it's just that they're not trained in the art of selling or they haven't thought it through or something overcomes them in the moment that they skip all those steps of treating somebody like a human. (laughs) What do you think it is? Well, I think it could be a combination, but I think a lot of times it comes down to they're focused on them, right? They're focused Mm -hmm. on like, I need this next sale or I need this next client. And, you know, relationship selling is not about you as the seller. It's really about the other person. It's about being of service to them, offering them something of value that's going to benefit their life in some way. Yeah. And when you start approaching sales conversations of like, I'm here to be of service, I do expect to be paid for what I offer. And I'm going to deliver something that is valuable to that person it takes that pressure off of me and it's no longer a focus on me. It's really on the other person. And then it feels good because who doesn't like to feel like all the attention and everything's about them? <laughs> like mm. from a client perspective, it's like, it feels good when people treat you like you matter. Yeah. And what's important to you is important to me. 
Yeah. It's always about them. I love asking people questions and being really curious about them. I just love it. And yeah, it, it makes people usually feel more comfortable too, because you can typically answer questions about yourself. And let's face it, most people can talk about themselves and don't mind it. And the flip side of that is I dislike going to networking events where you ask somebody a question and they never stop to ask anything about yourself and they go on and on. And I'm just like, oh, I will extricate myself from this conversation now because life is short. Super cool. Really, really appreciate the techniques and the steps there. So that's really great. So another thing that comes up a lot for me and for my community is charging what you're worth and also standing really fully behind that value. So, you know, as you said with your coach a while back when she asked you to charge heaps for a VIP day and you were like, what do you think was the, the block there for you at that time? Was it because this is the bit that I'd love to get into the psychology in your head on this, because mm-hmm. you've obviously mastered this more than others. And how do you think the rest of us show up with those blocks as well? Because it's fairly obvious that I think most people do undercharge. And then I love seeing somebody charge healthily for what, you know, like just being totally okay with what they do and doing it yeah. in a really great way. Yeah. Well, I think for anything, it's like, you know, most of us have internal critics, right? We have those negative voices in our heads or maybe you only have one critic. I always say I have a lot of critics, which may involve me needing therapy. But, you know, we have these critics that have all this, like, how dare you? And who do you think you are to charge this? Like we have all this internal criticism. But again, when you start to realize that the sell, the selling process is not about you. It's about the other person and it's for their benefit. Then you don't really have to worry anymore about your internal critics because you're doing something to be of service. And what I, what I know to be true from the like bottom of my heart with everything that I show up with is the more I charge for my services, the more results my clients get. (laughs) implementers get results (laughs) and people will only implement when they feel like they've got some real skin in the game. Like if people were paying me, you know, what I was charging when I first started, they would be getting mediocre results because it wouldn't be that much of a commitment. It would be like, well, if I do it, like, okay. But now when people pay me for the service that I provide, it is enough, like there's enough skin in the game for them to go like, I better do something with this. This is an Mm -hmm. investment. So I better actually take some action and put it into practice. And when people put into practice the things that I teach them, they see incredible results. And because they see incredible results, what happens is the people around them are like, hey, what's going on? Like something's changed for you. Like what happened? And oftentimes they'll say, I hired a sales coach, Nikki Roush, sales maven. She's amazing. And she taught me how to do something. And then other people will be like, well, I want some of that. And then they want to come hire me. Right? Awesome. Yeah. So and why did you sell yourself on the podcast here? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's this idea of like, we have to create advocates and ambassadors in the marketplace. And the way that you create ambassadors in the marketplace for you is by doing really good work. And Mm -hmm. the only way that your work really comes through and shines through is when people do something with it. If they just buy a course from you and never go through it, that's not going to benefit you. It's not going to help grow your business. Exactly. And that's why we offer up experiences, my experiences out there where I'm 
hand-holding them, coaching them, reviewing accountability, support community, just so that somebody doesn't show up and just have a course and never go through it because it frustrates the heck out of me. It's a waste of their time and mine and it's just not the value that I want to provide. That's really awesome. Thank you for sharing that. How do you get past, and this will be my last sort of thing because I think it's the most important, how do you help a client see that what you're doing is valuable and that they can afford it, that it's something that they actually need versus something that they can't afford? Because I think... That is very, very much the case for so many people. They'll look at something and they'll go, oh, I just can't afford that right now versus actually this is exactly what I need and I know the value is going to be there for me. Well, one of the things I do is I get really curious when somebody says to me like, oh, like I would love to do this and I just can't afford it. So I get really curious about that statement. And so I'm going to ask questions in a way that allows for their mind to give them the solution and for them to come up with their own answer. So for instance, if somebody says to me, gosh, Nikki, you know, I'd like to do this, but I just, I cannot afford it. So I'm going to say, now, when you say you can't afford it yet, notice how I say yet, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like I I purposely put in there yet because I'm starting to add some wiggle room to that comment. So, so when you say you're not, you can't afford it yet, is it more about making like the full payment up front? And if I could offer you a payment plan, would that make it more feasible? So I'm starting to offer like, could I do this? And if I did it, would you be interested? And now don't say that, of course, if you couldn't do a payment plan or if you're not interested, but oftentimes what it does is it allows them And notice I don't go into, well, you know, you could just give me a payment plan and here's my payment plan and it breaks Mm -hmm. down to blah, 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 blah. I don't go into any of that. I'm just trying to look for places like, is there any wiggle room? Because the fact of the matter is, if somebody is like, look, lady, I would hire you in an instant, but I can't even pay my rent. Well, they're right. They can't afford me (laughs) and they shouldn't hire me if they can't pay their rent or their house payment or buy groceries for their family. So if the fact of the matter is they really don't have the money, then that's okay. I bless and release those people and, you know, wish them well. But sometimes by offering this little bit of wiggle room, oftentimes people will come back and they'll go, well, you know, I could actually like pay this amount now. And then I have this other, like I have this money coming in and they start coming up with solutions on how to pay me. Mm, Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, because if they really want it enough, they'll do what they can. And how much they'll flexibility do you allow with that? Because I'm sure people are listening going, yeah, but then do you get into the hassle of, hey, I'll get this bit this month and this bit next month, et cetera? Or how do you go about about that? Well, I do ask for a pretty big chunk of money up front, like in my VIP program. So I wouldn't do it for a VIP day. That has to be paid in full because as soon as I deliver on a VIP day, right, like it's done. I can't get any of that back if they don't pay. Yeah. So if somebody's going to do a VIP program with me, I ask them to pay 50% up front and then I split the other 50% if they want into two payments, which oftentimes is it is the way that people who really do want to work with me but really can't come up with the, you know, four grand or the eight grand. It's a way for them to do it. And if the other thing too, is I will let people prepay me for things. Like you could start a prepayment now. And then when you pay it off, then we do the session. And that's a way for you to like really commit and invest. So I'm not making this suggestion, like anybody who's listening, don't do this if this is going to hurt your business 
But for me, offering payment plans, believe it or not, oftentimes when I offer a payment plan, people end up paying me in full. Yeah. I've had that experience too, actually, because they're like, oh, the fact that they have that as an option makes them feel that they can come out and force and just go for it. It's almost like, oh, it's nice to know I have that as a backup, but no, I'm going to commit up front, do this in one shot, and then let's just dive in. Yeah. 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 Love it. Perfect. So, Ah, exciting. Thank you so much for those tips. I think there's enough to go on there for now, for sure. But I would love to probably have you back here on the podcast. There you go. Look, you just sold me because I think this is an ongoing conversation that doesn't stop here. That it's, a, as you said, you put in so much work and effort into understanding more about yourself, triggers of people, buyer behaviors, their signals, all these interesting, fascinating things. And it, actually, it's just opened my mind up to where do we all want to grow in 2020 and beyond? What skills do we want to obtain? How can we go deeper into what we want to learn and how we show up and what value we provide? And NLP has been on my radar for such a long time and I've delved in and dived into bits of it, but I love that you just went there and you got certified and you actually use it all the time. So hopefully people are learning from you right here on this podcast, Nikki, and kind of going, hmm, where have I backed out of something or done something pretty half-heartedly or not continued with my studies and been that lifelong learner? So thank you so much for that. And is there any last tip that you just love to add, like something that you feel your clients ask you a lot and that you can provide, you know, a sort of a quick win for people who are still struggling with this and putting themselves out there? Yes. Here's always my tip that I want to leave everybody with is never be afraid to invite somebody to the next step with you because oftentimes people won't make a conscious decision to hire you, to buy from you until you invite them. So it's okay if they say no, don't freak out about that. And that's definitely something we could delve into, you know, deeper and on a different episode, but be okay with just checking, like dip your toe in the water and invite somebody. And and if you're not sure how to say it, one of the things you could say, and this is such a like really easy thing to say is, you know, I would love to work with you. And if there's ever an opportunity for that to happen, let's talk about it. Because sometimes just planting that seed allows for somebody to be like, oh, you'd like to work with me? Like, what would that look like? Like, let's talk about that some more. Well now, okay, great. Now we're going to move on to the discovery piece. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. Love it. Thank you so much for that. Just never be afraid and never take things personally, which I'm sure we can talk about in another episode because it's the easiest thing to do when somebody rejects you. They're not actually rejecting you. (laughs) They're rejecting the thing because it's not right for them at the time or whatever. Or maybe you didn't sell them right on it. Thank you so much, Nikki. This has been awesome. Where is the best place for people to find you? The best place will, and uh, this is going to involve free download for your listeners, but it'll take them to my website. So I always like to give a gift if I get to be a guest on somebody's podcast to their listeners. So I have an, an ebook that's all around closing the sale that has some more specific language and some steps and some things in there for them. So I would love to give that to your audience. And the way to get it is to just go to my website, yoursalesmaven.com forward slash untapped. Ooh, I like it. Thank you for throwing the podcast name in there. Much easier. Nice. Thank you so much. So yoursalesmaven.com forward slash untapped. That's right. Okay, perfect. I'm going to probably go grab a download myself and definitely going to check out your book and I'll link to that in the show notes and more details on where you can find out more about Nikki. And just thank you so much for your generosity today and congrats on all your success. I just, I actually really love it, especially when women are talking about closing the sales and 
just because I think it is, and you can probably speak to this in research shown, it's something that we do struggle with more. And I think because we're always coming from a place of giving and that invitation aspect and wanting to help and serve generously without necessarily always backing ourselves on the value and putting a worth in that and a price on that. So I don't know if you believe that to be true, but from my experience and research that I've done, it is often women who just give way too generously and do not charge enough for the value that they provide. Yes, I agree a hundred percent. Yeah. So thank you so much. Thank you. So I hope that you enjoyed that discussion with Nikki. I'm really keen to get her back on the podcast. If you think she should be back on as a guest and we should start talking about some of the other things that we just started diving into, valuing yourself, charging what you're worth, and really moving past this feeling of letting the ego get in the way when it comes to sharing our gifts and taking people on that journey with us to become paid clients and customers, then let me know. Just tag me on Instagram, post a photo of yourself or a photo of this episode, or just simply go at Natalie and I think we need Nikki back on the podcast. And of course, if there are any other topics that you really want to hear about, any guests that you want me to bring on again, at Natalie Sisson on Instagram or email me natalie at nataliesisson.com. Pretty simple, really. I would love to hear from you on what you're enjoying in this podcast, what you want to hear more of. And I have got so much goodness in store for you in 2020. I'm getting laser focused on how to make this the most incredibly valuable, useful, fun, entertaining, and awesome podcast to help you untap your potential and get paid to be you. So please share this episode with a friend who feels icky when they're selling, who's backing out on themselves, who's not making the most of what they are doing in their business or their freelance career or their side hustle or anything. Selling can be used at any point to convince people to donate more to your charity, to volunteer with you, to come on an adventure with you, to go traveling the world with you. This isn't just related to making sales, by the way. So yeah, if this has been really helpful for you, please do me a favor and share this podcast episode with a friend. Over and out. Roger that.